name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. in Christ, laudator Jesus Christus. This is Timothy Flanders. This is the Meaning of Catholic, and this is the Our Lady of Victory morning show, your Monday morning man show. Waking up Catholic, our new tag. <laughs> Waking up Catholic is good. <laughs> Jesus mm. is King, ascended yeah. up on high. Happy Monday within the octave of the Ascension. If you're uh, celebrating yeah. the octave like us, pre fifty five people then it doesn't really matter if it's Thursday or Sunday as much because every single day is the Ascension. So today is Monday, and uh, we have a, a wonderful treat that I, I wanted to share to all of you, and that's the beautiful depiction of our liturgy of the home. So if you take a look at this, here's the Ascension on Ascension Thursday. This is, to me, one of those beautiful depictions right here of the Ascension right here. We've got Mary and the Apostles. Jesus is walking up on the clouds. We've got a hand of God the Father. And then right here, he's entering into yeah, man. the uh, heavenly Jerusalem. All the <laughs> angels and saints are yeah. celebrating. Yeah. But then check this out. Oh. I love this so much. Here is Jesus on the throne. And check out the rainbow. <laughs> yeah. What a beautiful yeah, use bro. of the rainbow. I, I think that we need to use the rainbow. Yes. For its proper use, reclaimed yes. rainbow. It seems to work best when it's when it is actually a bow. So when it is actually an arc, mm -hmm. the 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 alphabet soup people don't seem to use it when it's actually an <laughs> arc. So if you use it as an arc like this, did you he, he uh, learned that he learned that the hard way, boys? He experimented. He there were trial <laughs> balloons putting a regular flag in front of his house, <laughs> and people are like, "That is not the Noah rainbow. <laughs> that like, is wait, not uh, Noah." Wait a but no, you're right, Tim. I, I've yeah. If it's an actual rainbow, like a real one, not the fake one, <laughs> then yeah, I, you don't see that hardly ever. And when yeah, you do, what? do people really think the alphabet soup stuff? I don't know. I, I, it seems like. I mean, I, I just love this depiction. Jesus is on the throne. I mean, Amen. we talked last week about um, the ascending of his throne. I, I loved uh, having Chris Plants on the show last week. Speaking of Chris Plants, make sure to sign up for his Bible study. St. Matthew's Gospel, it's starting an eight-week course with Chris Plants, M.A., you will be on fire with the scripture after this course. I don't know if you saw him last week, but... This man is on fire with the scripture. Always, always gets me going when I talk with Chris Plants. Always gets me excited for Jesus Christ on the throne revealed in scripture. So it's an eight-week course beginning Tuesday after Trinity Sunday. It costs $100, and you can be a part of this group. I will be there. Chris will be leading it, and uh, so hope to see you there. Click the link below to join Chris Plants and his Bible study through St. Matthew. So what else is going on, gentlemen? The Kaiser is with us, Professor Kaiser, mm. author of She Danced Me a Story, and today is a very special anniversary. Yes, today is uh, would be Samantha's 19th birthday. It is her 19th birthday. And she'd be graduating this year. All of her friends, it's kind of weird, like all of her friends are at that age now 
where they're graduating and getting older and one of them had a baby. So Emily, congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. Beautiful, amazing, beautiful baby. And um, but it's just weird to see everybody growing up. And it's kind of cool, though, because I was able to give them as a graduation gift. <laughs> I was able to give her friends an amazing book and say, hey, you know, here it is. And you're in it and you're a hero and a champion. And so it's uh, but yeah, other than that, we're putting together some some uh, plans for a kind of a, a reward or a competition to see what city the Kaiser will be in for signings. <laughs> so we're going to actually put it together to make it an event because if I'm rolling up in your town, I'm not just going to just sit at a table and do book signings. That's so boring sounding. So I'm like, I need to make it like an actual production. We're going to do theatrical stuff and blow people's minds. Might even have a smoke machine. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll have a synth. We'll have a synth in the background. Having that music play like the you, Chicago You probably do already have all that stuff because you I've were got a Protestant pastor. At one point. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a Protestant pastor. So he has a synth machine. Every Protestant pastor has to have a synth machine and a smoke machine. A synth? Right? I, I have a Casio, man. I've got a Casio and an acoustic. That's all you need, brother. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, but yeah, we want to put together this thing because we want it to be something real fun you know that it's just bursting with fun that that storytelling great even even uh, dressing up you know that was a, a really fun thing whether it was the ren fair or whether it was whatever even her, even at her funeral where everybody dressed up in different costumes and everything um we want to make it something great and so and even where the family shows up so if people are interested in that keep your keep your eyes peeled for that and i'm working on an audiobook it's the last thing i'll say right now working on putting together uh, audiobook stuff, but also readings where it'd be, patrons would have access to this, but they would be live and I'd be reading whether to my family or to, you know, different settings uh, for the different chapters and stuff. But we would make that so that it'd be more intimate and people could actually participate with this as the reading of a family. And so that would be something for patrons. I'll make that, and that link would have to, I'd have to share it with Tim. That way he'd always be able to share it at MLC to make sure that any patron would be able to participate so that it'd be part of the family reading. So it's, uh, it'd be fun. <laughs> so that's what's new for me right now. Excellent. Uh, what's nice. the, what's the, what are the latest Thomistic distinctions on the traditional Thomist, Gavazos? Uh, latest Thomistic distinctions, I guess, practically speaking, how to combat Satanists and not get beat up. So <laughs> doing... yeah, how'd that go, by the way? That one, it was amazing. It was amazing. So, yeah, for those of you guys who want to watch me get out of the library and into the field, if you will, yeah. um, there's two episodes that we have up on the channel. One's called, I think, Traditional Catholics March Against Public Wickedness. That's the, kind of the first installment. In that video, it was about, I made it about maybe two, three weeks ago. No, actually, yeah, it was about two weeks ago. And it was a group of around 40 Catholics or so who came from various different, if you will, stripes and colors of perspectives, united together, and we marched against a Protestant sect that was having a drag show in our, one of our small towns. Um, this drag show was, you know, quote-unquote, family-friendly, bring the children, but it was, you know, satanic-themed. You know, it already was satanic in and of itself, but, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> they just decided to theme it, I guess. Um, and so they were, you know, like females dancing around as, uh, you know, male devils and males dancing around as female devils and all these types of terrible things. And so 
We've thankfully had a, uh, a great letter of encouragement by Bishop Athanasius Snyder, His Excellency Sinister Small, um, elocution giving us, uh, you know, comfort. And so we protest against that. And then this last episode that came out, I think about five, six days ago or something like that, it's called Traditional Catholics March Against Satanists. Mm-hmm. There was a group of about 250 of us, uh, including uh, Tradition Family Property, American Eats Fatima, um, and all kinds of other types of people. I saw people from all the different parishes that I frequent all come together. And the Church of Satan basically sent out one of their high priests, whatever that is, um, and we decided to go into, uh, the city hall of San Marcos, Texas, not too far from where I am. And during that like brief portion of the city hall meeting, you know, where they have like the classic prayer, not knowing how many people take those things seriously or not these days, but they had, uh, the, the Satanists give, you know, a quote unquote invocation to the devil, um, shouting like hail Satan at the end of the meetings. And so we were on the outside, mm praying the rosary, a lot of penitential prayers. But what was really cool to watch, believe it or not, aside from the fact that we were all uniting together and praying, was we had a couple really interesting relics that were with us. So we had um, one, uh, a relic, uh, like I think it was like a second-class relic of the Holy Cross. Um, so a, a, a crucifix that had touched the Holy Cross. That might be third class. I don't know. I still get my classes mixed up when it comes to to, to how the relics work. But we had a we had a crucifix that had that had been touched to the Holy Cross, as well as this is what was interesting: a rosary that had touched itself uh, to um, the Holy Lance that pierced our Lord's side. So we had both of those. And what was so interesting is that I didn't know that we had them as a group. But then when the Satanists came out of the building, we were about maybe 75 feet away or so. People can look at the video and you can tell we're like a decent, decent ish distance from them. But when they came out, we pulled them out and it was literally within probably 30 seconds that they just took off. They, they just completely took off, mm-hmm. um, which was I, I just thought was quite telling. And it was so cool also to see how many people were honking in support of us we literally had thousands of just normal people who were honking in supports and to my knowledge we only had two people protesting against our larger group uh two college two college girls i don't know who, what their names are but pray for them whoever <laughs> they are um and one of them was trying to write honk if you love satan and misspelled it and ended up saying honk if you love santa um, <laughs> I love Santa. Yeah, a bit of self troll. Um, <laughs> what was hilarious was we went across. We went across the street to try to witness to them, and when they saw us coming, they just took off. This yeah. group, of two girls, they just took off. And when we said, "Where are you going? Where are you going?" They just started shouting. You know, we hate men. That's why we're leaving. And uh, you know classic modern feminist arguments you know at full display i was i was literally on the ground like oh my arguments have been destroyed so badly that i I just need to go home and consider everything over again so yeah that's what we've been doing mostly these days Uh, i do have some intellectual studies coming up again uh, because i do want my show mainly to be in the intellectual life but i do think that speaking if you're just sitting in the library reading all day but not actually going out to the people or trying to put a stop against wickedness i'm like yeah bro what are you doing 
So yeah. that's what we've been up to. <laughs> that's Amen, a good, dude. Great yes. Thomistic distinction between the library and the street. Amen. Great, that's, that's really cool about the. Yeah. I just want to shout out uh, our 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 buddy and fellow meaning of Catholic leader Anthony Bate. He loves. <laughs> he loves <laughs> I was like, I don't know. What our favorite he New Yorker. Changed, he like he likes Plank. to do planks. He was telling us he really oh, yeah, likes yeah. to do planks. He's That's planking he's it up, so boys, fixed. right now. Can you just imagine Anthony just planking it, watching us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he I love planks. <laughs> he's a soldier. So uh, yeah. Anthony Abate is, is helping to be, build yeah. New York City. Yeah. Uh, that's what he does for a living. Uh, also, we have uh, Andrea, our friend in Italy. We also have Richard, who is it's currently 3 a.m. in Seattle, but he's from Seattle. What's up, yeah. Richard? Uh, we have also have an Aussie in the house. So we've got uh, four time zones represented here on the morning show. I just wanted to shout out all these wonderful people. Welcome everybody. So Fowler, what are we talking? What are we talking about today? Waking up Catholic? We're, we're just gonna, yeah, we're just gonna wake up Catholic. Talk about some things that are totally related, by the way. For example, bad movies, yeah. hell, and smoking tobacco. Oh, and Flanders, you were just in the pose from the clip on the thumbnail. I was, it was perfect. Yeah, it was good. So now I just, I just was thinking to myself, okay, we need some topic that's relatively interesting or that we can make interesting, that's relatively lighthearted and that doesn't make any sense when hooked with other stuff. And that's, I, I came up with different ideas of, well, we could rearrange this and this and this. And that's the one that stuck. So, um, Cavazos, bad movies. What do you have to say about that? Well, I guess it depends on what you mean is by bad. Because it's like when I think of good, my Thomas brain thinks of like, you know, bad or evil is going to be that which lacks, you know, some type of good. And so I guess maybe there's two types of bad movies, generally speaking, that we could all agree on. So there's like bad in the immoral context of Mm -hmm, movies. mm -hmm. And then bad is in just this was horribly made or the story was I'm thinking cool. of num- you know, item two. Item uh, two. We, we can all agree that there are just some movies that are loaded with with you no. know, sin and vice and just it's vulgar and it, nobody should do that, regardless of the production quality of the script and all that. But I'm thinking more like, OK, this could have been a good movie, but you guys botched it. Yeah, like the modern Star Wars. That's a perfect example. There's just, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I it, I was actually having a conversation about this with some friends after mass yesterday. That modern like movie storytelling is dead. I I love old films. I I just absolutely yeah. love old films. And I guess when I say old, I'm also considering some films from whenever you know you guys were young whippers. <laughs> I knew it was coming. So he's been like, like what, what's a really good old movie, Cavazos? Well, I guess you know maybe. Jaws. For, <laughs> like j- jingle all the way, jingle all the way. Elf, <laughs> old one. I guess we're like we're I, Judgment Day. I guess we're like the Kaisen's Day. That'd be something like the Great Train Robbery of nineteen like that. The you Great know. Train Robbery. Wait a second. That was the first. Isn't that like the first movie ever? Yeah, didn't you guys watch that in theater? <laughs> the Great Train Robbery. <laughs> the Moving Pictures. Yeah, yeah I thought you guys... I, thought, <laughs> okay. I, I, was least, I was at least on the impression <sighs> that like your guys' main highlight of your life was you guys were like, oh, wow, like the screen's moving, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, this one's not a silent <laughs> film. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> we don't have to use the puppet shows anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to wait for the card to come to you. Oh, now you oh, just man. go to this theater. Yeah. You could even well, drive is, up. You can just good, drive up. What is up. a good old movie? Oh, that's great. So, yeah, I guess for me, like, <clears throat> what I would consider, like, good old films. So I'd say there's, like, two types. So then ones that I think we would all agree are actually, like, old. And those would be stuff like, good old classic films from the 50s or tv shows from the 50s so like a good tv show that's like 50s 60s would be something like the, the andy griffin show right that's a great show yeah i love that show because one it shows kind of a pictorial-esque scene of how small towns uh america sees itself particularly in the deep south and so there's a lot of like connection emotionally that i have with that um, but then also too it gives a lot of good moral lessons you see, uh, you know, uh, Andy, he oftentimes gives, or Sheriff Taylor, excuse me, he gives uh, moral lessons from the scripture to his son, Opie, um, quite often. And you do see that classic story of, like, a good male figure. And I think that this is one of the main topics we could even say is between, like, good and bad films, is that a lot of good films have a good male character or a transformative arc for a male character. So whether that be, like, the Andy Griffin show, right? Andy Taylor, who is, you know, the upstanding, you know, justice of the peace, who's, you know, training his son to be a good moral man and trying to like help bring the community together in good morality, or even something like the original Star Wars trilogy, where you see Luke Skywalker go from <clears throat> this absolute pansy, right? Uh, in the first film, where he's just like complaining that he doesn't get to go over, you know, and get the power converters. <laughs> and he's just whining, you know, he's like, Dad, come on. Um, but wait, wait, wait. Here, here, here's, here's, a, here's a thing is, is when the special editions came out, you were, you were like three years old, Cavazos. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they re released the original four, five, and six Star Wars as the special editions. You guys remember that? Yeah. Special edition. I remember watching A New Hope in the theater, and when Luke Skywalker says, I want to go to the power station to pick or the Tashi station to pick up some power converters, everybody burst out laughing in the theater. Oh. It was great. It was like everybody realized it was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He was a total he was a total wuss. And then like yeah. you see him continue kind of to be a wuss in the in the second film. But what happens is like he goes from this like total wuss over to being like this stoic jedi master and what i what's so good about that is one at least that transformative arc is somewhat realistic because you know most of the time young men go from a very cringe age all the way up into mm -hmm. like embracing full masculinity and it's the classic story of good versus evil and it's the male character saving the female character and ultimately saving helping save the universe but then you compare that and contrast both of those examples with the new Star Wars. And out of the gate, the new character, right? She's female. She's amazing. And she just destroys everybody in the first film. She has so much power that she just defeats a Sith in the very first, in the very first film. Completely just blasting out any relation that she could have with Luke Skywalker in the sense of transformative. And then they and then after that, you know, the storyline goes completely downhill because it's like what you have to realize is that most people, when they're interested in storylines, it's about character storylines. They're not really as interested in like the niche political dynamics of a, of a fake universe. Right. They're more interested in what does this character like? How does this character develop and change? And so you see basically all of her character arc 
is essentially complete by the end of the first film. And then the last two films, they're just like burning on exhaust, right? Just trying to find something. And then at the last film, you know, they throw in literally like, what is it, 15 minutes or something before the end. Oh, by the way, you know, you're Palpatine's daughter, granddaughter. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, spoiler. Hey, yeah, no, yeah. The spoiling alert for a bad film. Well, we we, we kind of yeah. The title, bad movies. You should have expected yeah, yeah, spoilers. Yeah. But that, and, we, and and but we at least mentioned Star Wars in the bad movies. Yeah, but that that's good. Like, that's <laughs> I'm a Star Trek guy. I'm listening to all these Star Wars people. I'm like, what's going yeah, on with you weirdos? <laughs> what's going on with you weirdos? <laughs> so, all right, Flanders. Yeah, that's what, what's it's good. Man. What do you think about? I think Nick's making a pretty solid point yes, about yes. character development and the fact that in in uh, Hollywood today, you don't have the art of storytelling. What you have is just um, it, it's like who can deliver the most sense experience, right? With low intellect, low thinking. Um, don't worry if it's if it's actually a good tale with maybe not a happy ending, but still like an intriguing plot. No, let's just cram uh, as much CGI and battle scenes and stuff, or or if we, you know, a lot of, lot of sex scenes or things like that. So just to keep people hooked. It reminds me of, um, what do they call it? In Brave New World, um, where they oh, the like, drug, go to the film. Yeah. No, that not not the uh, not Soma the um, the feelies, where they're just there to get the total experience, and it is totally irrelevant of what the film was actually about. Something like that. So I, I don't know. I think Nick's making a pretty good point here. What are your thoughts, Tim? Well, um, I'm going to say something very controversial. First of all, yes, I, I'm a, I'm also a Trekkie, but I'm I go back and forth between Star Wars and Trek. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say that uh, Hollywood had already swallowed all of the uh, all of what you just said, Jake, so that they could not appreciate the greatness of the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, that's right. They're great. They're great movies. And the reason is because there's a, there's a character story arc and it's a tragedy. And it explains why Darth Vader turned to the light side because he turned to the dark side in the exact same situation where uh, the Palpatine was electrocuted someone and he was attached to his mother. And he had this attachment to his mother, which uh, led to all the things that Yoda said. And it explains why Darth Vader became evil. And it also explains why he turned to the light side at the end. And it's a very deep uh, character arc uh, and a tragedy. And it also has all sorts of political intrigues as well. And then they threw in all the CGI fun stuff yeah. as well. Uh, but Hollywood could not appreciate that because they can't appreciate good art. And so everybody jumped on a bandwagon and said the prequels were nonsense. And then what did they make? What did they make that was a blockbuster success? This this crap trilogy where there is no story arc. And that's what was a success. And that's because the Star Wars fan base wanted. That's what they wanted in the prequels. That's why that's why they hated the prequels, because they wanted this this shallow nonsense. Um, the 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 most recent trilogy is entirely anti-family. Uh, it, it's. Luke Skywalker is this like washed up dude. Han and Leia can't work it out with each other. It's a total anti-family thing. And uh, mm -hmm. whereas the original sex trilogy, the six films is this father son story. It's the saga of a father son relationship, um, which is it's a beautiful thing. So 
that's my controversial statement. Also, um, Star Trek. Take that, Picard. Trekkies. Star, well, Star I, Trek Picard is, is fantastic. Uh, Paramount uh, really redeemed itself with Star Trek Picard, the most recent release. Well, we don't have to dwell I'm the, on the I'm the weirdo in the room, dude, that I don't I don't think that movies are that bad now. <laughs> I think that I think that you we it's kind of like saying music's really bad. We can find well, that, okay. but fair, that's, that's only because point. there's a lot of music. There's tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of music and it's not just maestros anymore. So we look at it and it's for popular appeal. So you're dealing with no offense, but noobs, right? People weirdos, people who don't have much on theory or just the regular folk. And I, I, I kind of think it's weird that we bust on regular folk and find out what regular folk like and regular folk music. I think we and that we tell them, you must go back to the maestros. <laughs> and that and I'll say this about Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith is one of my all-time favorite shows. But my dad watches it every night. And I love him, but he can't break out of that loop. And I say, there's something that ain't right <laughs> when you're watching... Andy Griffith every night. <laughs> Something ain't right. And I love him. But but you say, I think that we we need to, it's, it's good to point out the insufficiencies. But I say, then let's boost who is doing the job. Mm-hmm. And I say, who's writing stories now? Who's writing stories? And Because that's what I'm trying to get into. I'm trying to write stories. And I know dudes who make movies. <laughs> so I need to kind of defend them a little bit too. And say, look, you know, um... You know, th- there's ways to do it, but they need fuel. Directors need fuel. So they need writers. So if we want to blame anybody, honest to goodness, we want to honest to goodness lay the blame somewhere. How many Catholics do we know who are trying to be directors? Mm-hmm. I'll wait because there's lots of crickets happening. Number two, how many trad? That's better. How many trad? And I mean like trad like 1930s, or ni- let's say, 1950s 1960s styled catholic right because there were a lot of those dudes making movies back then by the way that's true writing stories so i'm asking where they are now and so if they're not making those but they're complaining that they're not made they're not acting like the trads back then and i say trads back then wrote stuff and they made things and Mm. so i encourage you but i will add to the list of terrible movies (laughs) i will add to the list of those laser blast which is a given and i don't think it's even (laughs) fair that i mention it kiss meets the phantom of the park birdemic with an asterisk that it's also one of the greatest movies ever made with a fantastic backstory and bells of innocence which is by far the worst movie i've ever watched in my life i don't actually know of anything worse than bells of (laughs) It's Chuck Was that Norris, the one dude. you? No, okay, I'm thinking of a different one. You, I played you it on, on a movie. Yes. You, oh, you did. That is the one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh man. Well, maybe With Chuck Norris in the do... Evil Town. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, that's all that stuff. Movie marathon. We could we yes. could Telegram live stream a bad movie. Here's the marathon. here's the real question. Here's yeah. the real question. So I'll I'll say I I fully agree with you, Paleocrat. I think I think where I think it'd be there's such an opportunity for Catholics to make I would even just say Catholic films because <clears throat> every day that I pray through the breviary and you get to the office of prime and you go through the martyrology I'm just like bro I could make this a film this a film this yeah. a film you know yes, there's like yes. all these cool things part of part of the problem is that like obviously now when you really like dig into the movie industry you realize that 
they even have to include a certain amount of like woke social orthodoxy into their films. If like, you, if you only if you want to be part of the yeah. Academy Award, if you want if you want the Academy to recognize you, want everybody else to recognize you, mm-hmm. they have they have a certain standard. But dude, that's what I'm saying. Why do we do that? Yeah, just go. go we don't. We let, hey, let's just declare right now. We don't give a crap about what they think. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't. They, they believe satanic stuff. The stuff we were talking about earlier about mm-hmm. the stuff that you protested, dude. Those people in Hollywood, they're they're into kitty little kid stuff, dude. Watch documentaries mm-hmm. about it's out there. It's real. That so is. you say we can put we can do better. But I want to say I agree, dude. We have so many saints. You're so right, bro. Like mm-hmm. the vision of that that people can make, and they used to make a lot more. And mm-hmm. you're, you're starting to see more because people are getting cameras. I mean, we're, what we're doing here is cinema. We're part of the film industry, whether we like it or not. We, we have a record. It's digital. If we want to get in debate over celluloid, we can because that's part of the debate in no, film. We don't need, <laughs> so, I mean, but, what I'm saying is that we don't story. even need no, film no, to be no, part no. of the film industry. We're part of the visual no thing here. And we are leaving movies for the world. They're called episodes, and we leave them. And so yeah. we and we we're not scripting them. These are all <laughs> pizzazzy in the moment stuff. <laughs> it is true. Impromptu. It's true. You know, but 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 dude, like the idea of one thing I want to say though, is that if we want to have, so I think the same thing when I go through the saints and anything with angels and stuff. I'm like, we've got we've got all the mixings for the best. Like, there's nothing that can compare. Um, but one thing that I think would would hurt us is if we only did that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because we, I think we have the mixins to tell the best stories too, and so to put this together and to say make the best stories, make them the kind that show the world, dude, this is more fantastical than what you can do. Mm-hmm. We can make yeah. it better. That we can make people imagine that if this was put on film, it's even better than the trash you're putting up there. Yeah, and, and let's and rank it. You're right on independent, and that's it. Kind of goes to my question, which is very simple, and I think this is going to judge. Uh, whether or not we're good or bad movie watchers in here, subjectively, of course. But uh, Napoleon Dynamite, for or against? I am for Napoleon Dynamite. For. Against. I'm for it. So, oddly opposite. I personally think Napoleon Dynamite is movie gold. Me too. Absolute movie gold. Um, but I think what's so good about Napoleon Dynamite is, <clears throat> unlike say, so actually, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you this, Tim. I think that you're right on the on the prequels. I think the only bad thing about the prequels is just maybe some of the ways that they were made, um, not the story in and of itself. Because at least my generation treats the prequels as the ultimate, like that and Spider-Man One as like the ultimate meme sources so it's just like i need to make a basic meme where should i go oh go to the star wars prequels you'll find something like that you know <laughs> you turned her from me you know just uh, all these types of things that you mess around with but napoleon dynamite it's like multi-leveled yeah multi-leveled humor building and building upon itself because yeah, you have got mad yeah, he's he just he's out <laughs> this, this, <laughs> he's like he's like this is the the, the dividing line boys it's so over <laughs> i can't work with you <laughs> walking out the, this offensive conversation <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. multi-level because like you actually have on the one hand uh you're just sitting there and i think if you go into it with the, like the idea like oh this is going to be a serious film or even just a normal linear film you're just going to be so mad at the end of the film. You're going to be like, this was an absolute waste of time. But if you go and you recognize like, no, this is 
a reflection of a day in the life of a person from Preston, Idaho, going to school for a week. But with the absurdum of small town America that never changes and it's 20 years behind and it's, you know, 2004, but it's more like 1984, you know, and you just know this from this, you know, very vacant expression of Napoleon just staring at the beginning and then synth music popping off. You're like, what is going on here? And so, yeah, I think it's I think it's great. It I reminds think- me a lot of my upbringing. Honestly, I grew up in a very, very small town America. And watching that film while I was in high school, it was like, oh, right. No, same. That's same. what it's like. Same. It's kind That's of That's what it's like. It's kind I of- knew a guy. I knew people like that, like yeah. in my life. And I, yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, bro, I know, like maybe not all in the same family, but I know a Kip, right? Like, yeah, dude, yeah. like in my head, I can tell you where he lives. <laughs> like, I won't, but you know what I mean? Yeah. The ultimate cage fighter. Right. <laughs> Flanders, the last Flanders. word on bad movies before we move on. Oh, well, I mean, why did I go against Napoleon Dynamite? I mean, I guess I, I don't want to be too hard on Napoleon Dynamite, but uh, I, it just doesn't seem like um, there's much of a, much of the things that you just said were, was a good film, like a character development um, story arc. Um but I guess it's, I mean, it's, it is entertaining. I mean, but uh, I wouldn't, it wouldn't call it movie gold. So hmm? you, you wouldn't call it dynamite. Call it dynamite. What small town did you grow up in, Fowler? A tiny little place called Worthington, Missouri. So I was born in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm on a map right now. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's Worthington. There, Worthington. Worthington. And yeah, so Dude, my, there's a my, Fowlerville. Uh, is there really in Michigan? I'm sorry for interrupting. We just we ate there recently and we were oh, shocked. Oh. It was on the receipts well. in Fowlerville. We're like, damn, what? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I was born in Joliet, Illinois, and grew up there. But then when my folks split up, my mom wanted to get away. Um, understandable, but I think it was a bad call. But anyway, uh, so we ended up in Worthington, Missouri, population eighty six. Whoa, is that is yeah. that a, does it have a stoplight? No, no. There is a stop sign. Does it have a blinking? Because that's what door had. No. Door had one nothing. One light, and it was a four-way blinking. Let me, let me just show people. <laughs> wow. <right here>. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sprawling. A couple right blocks. Here. Couple blocks. We're probably Not... seeing Fowler's childhood home somewhere. One of these. If you wow. scroll up just a little bit. Wow. Okay. Uh, do you see the blue pin? Yeah. Follow what that street straight forward to the T. It's the house on the left. Avenue D. I don't, I don't know if Google yeah. Maps has even been. Let's see. Oh, no. So it hasn't uh, been to your street. Google Maps hasn't right. even been there. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, never I'm, even I'm surprised. Oh, bro, look. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is. Go. That's so that, that to, the, you remember to the right that is the road coming into town. Look at that. Uh, that's Route W, so named because it leads you to Worthington. Uh, so you're actually heading out of town. If you turn around, then you'll you'll get a oh, there's the beautiful skyline. Yep, there it is, mostly trees. Yeah. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you uh, direct your attention to the right, see a little road right there. You would go mm-hmm. straight instead of curving, and it's the second. I love those house, little roads. Or third like third house on the right, and we were at the very end of town. And so my my backyard was 30 acres of Missouri woods and and uh, meadow 
which was really cool. Uh, we would hunt deer. We would go hiking. We there was there used to be like a, a stream. Here's a, here's or a, a picture of Fowler right up. here. Here oh, he is. Oh, that's probably me. Yeah, that's probably me. Uh, Just hunting anyway, the, hunting the pheasants right here. <laughs> the have the long beard how, that, how did but... we end up screening Worthington, Missouri? We're supposed to be talking about hell. It's oh, maybe thing. because the two are related. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, I was like a quaint place. The, it was, oh, quaint doesn't even capture it. At one point, it was a railroad town. So at one point, it was quite booming around the, the turn of the 20th century. Uh, and I don't recall the reason I, I used to know why suddenly, or not suddenly, but just after, you know, 75 years, it was no longer a thriving community. But yeah, there it is. Yeah. Worthington. Missouri. I love little places like that. I love little roads like that that kind of dip off to the side there. You know, a lot of times there there's is... dirt and gravel and stuff. I always love, man. I always think they're fun yeah. to just hop There on was one business. <laughs> And if you now you can see it in context. So yeah. I live now in St. Louis, where there's more yellow and white, because that means people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's up there, out in the middle of nowhere. Excellent. <clears throat> that was a fun little jaunt, man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was fun. A little trot down memory lane, as it were. A little, yeah. A little uh, trot down the road. My mother has since actually. moved. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, that's that's it's three and a half hours from where I'm at now. And my mom moved, so there's no no further ties to, to Worthington. So it's truly just a memory mm. at this point. But before we run out of time, because I really want to get to the tobacco segment, we should say a few things about hell. Mm. Uh, I remember reading Garigou Lagrange when I was in graduate school, and there was a passage that all right, it was it was awesome, and I had um Dr. William Newton for a course on eschatology. And he had us reading Caragou Lagrange on heaven, hell, purgatory, judgment, all these kind of last things. And one thing that always stuck with me um, that I, I'm going to paraphrase, I'm going to butcher it. So Cavazos, give me a hand here. But he talks about the punishments of hell actually being a mercy and that we shouldn't think that, uh, how does he say it? Something like, God could make it still worse. So kind of be thankful for what you have. Mm -hmm. And you, just stop and think about that for a minute. Hell is the separation from God, infinite torture, but it could be worse. Yeah. That That's just... And just I, leave it there, <laughs> period. Just, or dot, like, dot, dot. Just, just remember, very... God can turn up the heat past infinite. And you're like, all mm -hmm. right, well, this makes me want to avoid sin and vice. Mm -hmm. But... I don't think we we reflect on hell often enough in a in a positive way. And I don't mean positive as if to say like yes there's a hell, but I mean we 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 talk about avoiding it, which is good. Uh but I don't I don't know that we say what it is. Right? So there you go. What what is the reality that we call hell? Bannister you're first. What is the reality of what we call? What is it? And it's okay if it's well, not from exactly what from textbook. from a human perspective, super dupe scary. I mean, there's like nothing more frightening. That's why it's in our active contrition, <laughs> you know, because we dread we dread that. You know, we absolutely are terrified. Um, you know, I I've always enjoyed learning about the different ways that even because my sister, my family, they're Orthodox, 
And so when they talk, there's even, you know, it, it, people over there talking about the coldness of it, right? And hearing different things like that. And uh, I don't know if that's, if I'm off on that, Flanders. <laughs> Help me out about that. But the, but no, just, just different takes on it. Because I, I don't, um, it doesn't play heavily, to be frank. It doesn't play as heavily into what I talk about with the ministry that we do. Uh, and the apostolate and stuff, as my name saint would have with his, and that is Saint Alphonsus. <laughs> saint Alphonsus is my name saint, Saint Alphonsus, and that's something that I should take maybe heed to, and say it should be more involved in in what I've said publicly, um, and things like that. But I think that one one thing I will add to it, beyond any theological stuff, anything like that, is I wish that we had getting connecting with what we've talked about thus far. I wish we had better. Um, instances and examples of writers and people putting together ideas of hell in in written books or whether it's in TV or anything like that, because a lot of the stuff we have is just super dupe fake, and mm -hmm. it's just slasher nonsense, and it doesn't get to the problems of what leads there. You know what? Like, what's really what? What is the horror of this? You know, and and so I think that we can do better about it and and get past just the Dante, right? In our heads, that there's more right. we can, yeah. And well, I, I would so. say Dante is an improvement on most people's conception of hell. I, I think a lot of people, <sighs> uh, and, and I don't know this is a majority, but I, I've spoken with folks who think hell is just the place you go when you want to misbehave. Uh, there was that book that came out several years ago, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. Like, all right, I know that's a, supposed to be a snarky title, but that betrays like a fundamental misunderstanding. It's not just, oh, this is where we're going to go and continue our sins and vices. I mean, I guess in a sense, yeah, you're, you're remaining in a state of sin, but it's not what you think it is. Right. It's the sin and vice absent the momentary pleasure you might experience from that. And well, it's it, just it would that be an improvement. He's an improvement <laughs> to where we are now, but I'm saying like for where we are. Like sure. not oh, the yeah, world, right. but for where we are, we can like who's going to be the next Dante, right? Because Dante would want that one. I mean, he'd be glad. But who's the next one? Who's the one that can bring that out? And maybe that's something that needs to be done, like for this generation, especially, you know, to say this is a generation that thinks they know a lot about hell and scariness and the devil. They don't really know. In right. fact, they they only get away with the the terrible sins they do because they've deceived themselves into believing that that's that's accurate, and I think that we do them a terrible disservice by allowing them to think that that's true, and right. so I think we can do better. I know you guys have some thoughts over there. I like the uh, the conception of eternal damnation that I was taught when I was Eastern Orthodox is is one way of explaining it is that our God is a consuming fire. And when you enter into the consuming fire, you are either burned eternally because you are your heart is hardened. So you are in hell or you're you enter purgatory because your heart is penitent and the consuming fire is a refining fire. Or you have been already purified by that refining fire and so you enter into the beatific vision which is the consuming fire is the light of god himself yeah. and so we using this metaphor we can see all three states of the post uh post-mortem state through considering the fact that god is a consuming fire and that sort of uh makes hell 
makes sense to some uh if they don't if they can't make sense of a dante version of it um that's one way that that can help at least um that's an example that's a great one man yeah yeah and i like that because it, it locates the concept of hell more on the side of god than on the side of us it's okay. sort of like uh i i appreciate c.s lewis's um analogy or or his example where he says that uh you know we built hell but that, that's just not the case we couldn't have created a place for our own afterlife that's not how that works <laughs> so i think uh the you know reframing it into look more of a theocentric or even a christocentric way not to say that god um delights in in you know people that that end up going there uh but to think of it as in terms of the fire where it's centered around god and it's your response to god sealed for all eternity and just you know press replay over and over play it on loop um yeah i think that's a very very helpful way of conceiving that here's a good question is purgatory between heaven and hell physically or conceptually? What do you, what do you mean, Knights Templar 33? Knights Templar. Kavasos, what do you think about hell? What do, and what do you think about that, that section from Garrigou Lagrange that I mentioned? No, that section, I've read that section before. It's, it's one of those sections that it's very, it goes to show you Garrigou's reflection. So Garrigou is not this, I mean, he is the old, you know, the ultimate 20th century abstract Thomas thinker. But if people try to make him a robot, you're not understanding Garrigou at all because the man is a, you know, interior life genius. He's so focused on how and, and, and this and it's not unique to Garrigou, but it's like, how do you take these truths, right? These truths of faith and truly believe them, not just in abstract sense, like your intellect dissenting onto them, but to where you have true belief, where your will is engaged and propelled into the information. And so whenever you take a, a statement such as, you know, hell, you know, could not be as bad as it could, as it is, you know, in a certain sense, it is a mercy. Um, you're like, whoa, okay, what is that? You know, and then you start asking personal reflections to try to engage your will and be like, okay, let me look at my life right now. And uh, first off, am I acting in a way where I'm shooting for purgatory? Because if I am shooting for purgatory, I'm probably going to miss it, right? <laughs> and end up in hell. And so it's terrible. My thoughts on the subject of hell. Um, so in my undergrad, I pulled one of these off the shelf. So uh, this is, a, this is a, a manual from the 1950s, the Sacra Theologiae Summa. I know mm -hmm. a manual, all the resource monk crowds freaking out. Uh, but they're helpful. They're they're helpful. And uh, this manual, it gives a wonderful, uh, long explanation of hell. But I just want to read this because I think that this is what's helpful. So it first lays out who are the adversaries that don't believe in hell. And it, it talks about how the Sadducees, right, they're the classics, right, didn't believe in hell at all. Right. And you see this in Matthew 22 and Acts 23, the Sadducees, both with our Lord and with St. Paul, basically deny the existence of an afterlife. And then it also mentions that there's the Albigensians, right, which my order, right, the Dominican order, was formed to combat. And so those are going to be the majors. You're also going to see the libertines, right, which we could say applies to our day. People who just want to live in a very loose lifestyle clearly deny hell, at least by their practice. But our church is very clear. It says in this manual, it says, like, 
concerning the doctrine of the church, saying that the good after death are rewarded with eternal life, but the evil or those who have died in the grave sin, even just ones are condemned to eternal life. She therefore is established. This is implicitly right confirmed. And those that are evil are deprived of eternal life. This is explicitly confirmed. And so it gives us several examples of what the magisterium is taught. So for instance, Pope Benedict the Twelfth, right? This is Denzinger 1002 in the current edition, right? He talks about this. He just gives this brief sentence. He says, moreover, we define that according to the general disposition of God, the souls of those who, those who die in actual mortal sin go down to hell immediately after death and suffer the pains of hell, end quote. Now, it also gives many other references, more than just what I'm uh, reading off the top of my head. But one of the things that's also interesting is that at least for Catholics, what's very important, and I know that Tim will appreciate this, is that it gives the theological note for every one of these. And hell is defined, divine in Catholic faith, implicitly with regard to loss of pain and explicitly with regard to loss of sins. So what that means for us is that going back to that question of like, how could hell be in a certain sense a, um, you know, uh, better than we deserve, or even going to one statement that you mentioned, Fowler, what I thought was very interesting about how does God respond to um, people going to hell? What's so interesting is that Thomas makes a distinction. He says, on the one hand, God does not delight in the death of sinners, right? We see this, right? Ezekiel talks about this. But on the other hand, we also do see in Isaiah 66, the just rejoicing at the people who are in hell. And mm. Thomas has one of those very controversial questions where he asks in, the, in his appendices, like, do, or excuse me, in the supplement, like, why are the righteous rejoicing? Right. And the reason that Thomas gives, and he says, he says the righteous are rejoicing, and ultimately God rejoices only in the sense that the order of justice is being restored. Mm-hmm. And that's something that our selfish, sinful minds rebel so much against because we think we are more just than the Most High. And we think right. that hell is too much, right? How, mm-hmm. how could a loving it's- God do this? But it is when you compare it to the level of justice, then the, that question that we ask makes sense that it is a mercy in a certain sense. Right. Because the order of God is being restored. It's better than you not having being in and of itself and just being annihilated and your existence is gone forever. And so those are just some of the preliminary ways I'd handle it. Yeah, but- that, I, that always struck me as the, uh, being annihilated always struck me as like a cheap way out. Mm-hmm. Like it it's is- not worse. That's not worse. That's you wouldn't notice that if you didn't exist. Well, it, yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's when you examine that, you're like, could not having being in and of itself be worse than having being, but being, you know, punished for all eternity, you know, that's an interesting Hmm. question because it's like, at least how I would look at it from the purely humanistic sense, I would say, well, um, yeah, like in order of what I would suffer, yeah, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't actually be harmed. But the science of theology is the study of God and how God sees all things. And so if I was to put on the lens of God, I would actually say, well, it's actually more fitting that it's eternal because one willful, right, mortal sin, etc., against the divine being is an infinite crime. And this is one reason that the mass is so beautiful, right? Because only the person of Christ can save us, mm-hmm. blessed be God. And so therefore... Um, 
it is fitting in the in the the theocentric model to say, yeah, if we're looking at this from the perspective of God, that human being has violated an eternal law and an eternal statute, and therefore, the order of justice has been broken. And whether it be the death of Christ, right, which saves us, or if it's going to be something like hell, right, that ultimate and eternal punishment, that is the order of justice being met. And I, mm. I know that's hard for the like the ears of modern man, but only when you understand that do you realize how beautiful the redemption is that Christ that you know he takes that upon himself right he he drinks your hell if you will and he dies on the cross rendering to his father the justice that we could never pay back in and of ourselves that is absolutely right. impossible and that you get the opportunity every single day in holy mother church to go to mass and to join in right your intention with that ultimate sacrifice of Christ on the cross and say, God, I come here to adore you and I can only adore you through the sacrifice of Christ. God, I come here to give you thanksgiving and I can only give you thanksgiving through the sacrifice of Christ. I come to repair the justice that's owed to you and I can only do that through the blood of Christ. Mm. And then I come here right for petition because I only can pray through Jesus name. It's all through Christ everything structured around Christ. And we just don't reflect on that. At least myself. I, I'm just right. like, I need to do that more. That's, that is a whole other show. Uh, before I really want to get to the last yeah. bit. Can I, I say one more be... thing about the no, please, please, about yes, hell please. thing? I was going to say, uh, I've always, I've always liked the way that Lewis talks about it. I've always, I've always liked pondering it. Uh, the way that Lewis talks about it in um, great divorce. And he says, hell could not open its mouth wide enough. Uh, as for the souls of the damned, they faded into figments of their own prideful imagination. Yeah, no penitent soul could ever be swallowed by the maws of the inferno. Hell cannot open its mouth wide enough. And the reason why, for a damned soul is nearly nothing. It is shrunk, shut up in itself. Good beats upon the damned incessantly as sound waves beat on the ears of the deaf. But they cannot receive it. Their fists are clenched, their teeth are clenched, their eyes fast shut. First, they will not. In the end, they cannot open their hands for gifts or their mouth for food or their eyes to see. And I've always, the, the idea of how they bring it upon themselves and the, the idea of where their narcissism, <laughs> where their pride leads them into as close to nothingness as you can get, right? It, with still maintaining being because <laughs> God doesn't annihilate people. But they're, but they're falling into this fake thing of themselves all the time. And, and I've, always, I've always enjoyed pondering and just reflecting on it. Yeah, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Tim, anything about hell? Oh, no, I, I've, I've said my bit. Okay. Well, then I'll come to you mm -hmm. first. Tobacco. Yay or nay? Yay. Yay. We know what you feel about <laughs> it, Cabazos. The wild card here is the Kaiser. Because I, mm -hmm. I enjoy a, a fine pipe and cigar from time mm -hmm. to time. Yeah. I have enjoyed more tobacco in my life than, than I, I used to chew and smoke at the same time so like i would smoke a clove and two that's, that's hardcore it was stupid <laughs> and i have teeth <laughs> i have like gum issues to prove it but it's stupid um but i i stopped i stopped using i stopped chewing back years ago probably 2010 uh maybe a little bit after that smoked uh clove cigarettes pack a day for a long time uh, stopped that like tw 2012 or 2013 started vaping 
right? And that's like before when it was like you had to meet some dude in a, <laughs> in a parking lot somewhere, and he's like, I got this drip. <laughs> I don't know about that. So, you know, so, but I, but that's, you know, so I, I was into that and stuck with it. But every once in a while, you know, if people came and gave me cigars and stuff, I'd smoke. And every once in a while, a couple times, you, you know, there'd be maybe a year or two blended in in that time where, I'd have a pipe or smoke cigars or things like that. But I just, my dentist, man, <laughs> some people, some people can salivate well and some people can't. And I'm like, I love the taste of it. I love smoking. I love hanging out with the boys, but man, oh day, do I hate what it does to my teeth. And so, but if I have to pick, I love pipes, but that's the worst for my teeth. Cause I, I was, I, I have the grooves in my teeth from where the pipe would rest in that area. Mm -hmm. So I have it. Look, man, I, mean, <laughs> I, have my, I have my I have my war scars. Yeah, my battle scars, boys. Yeah, so a lot of my students, um, when they find out that I'm not opposed to uh, tobacco in moderation, they say, but isn't smoking a sin? Because they've been trained from right. whatever young age that um, if, if you inhale something that's burning, like that you're committing a mortal sin, you need to confess that. And I, I was like, what? you guys, come on, it's. This is the similar thing uh, to like, if you can, can you have a couple of beers and not lose your cool? Like, that's all right. If you don't let it become a habit that ruins your life, then you can have a smoke. Now, I got to really be careful because yeah. the students I teach now are 14. Well, that's why when I they were 18, it was a lot easier to do that. It was like, just don't do it on school property <laughs> yeah, and nobody's right. These guys, it's like, okay, you can't do it yet. But then yeah. explaining to them what's the difference well, if it's fine, why can't, you know, why can't I do that? And they're watching yeah. Little House on the Prairie where they're like chawing at 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, kids are know, like, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the good old days. <laughs> well, that was, <laughs> you know, back in, uh, back in 2010, <laughs> Jeremiah stopped chewing because they removed the spittoon from the tavern. <laughs> Because of Father Lassance. Because <laughs> of Father Lassance. Uh, him and his anti-tobacco crusade. Oh, goodness gracious. I was just oh, man. If Kaiser had interviewed Little House on the Prairie whenever they were going out. <laughs> yeah, the originals. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the originals, uh, man. Not even not, yeah, the books. <laughs> oh, goodness. But I, I, anyway, I, I no, back say, to. Uh, I wanted to oh, say ahead, ahead, I stopped vaping. I, want, I need I needed to state that. So and that's why I'm really the wild card because I don't even vape anymore. And I need to say this. I actually want to give a big huge shout out to Tim Flanders' wife on that. Because she did the mom thing. And she did the mom thing by saying, you know, kind of giving you that that's disappointing kind of thing. And you're like, Ooh. you're my friend, man, but why are you making me feel that way? A little vape <laughs> like you, shame? It no. was. It was like kind of like, you know, it really uh it was almost like one of those, like, uh, like really? you're really still doing that kind of thing? And I'm like, man. And it just, but that little thing just made, it stuck with me, right? It's just one of those things that, it's like I have a picture in the other room of my goddaughter and she's got like this and she's looking like one of these pictures. And that, <laughs> that picture kept me typing for a long time. Every time I wanted to stop it, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> it's like that sort of thing. It just stuck with me. And so, but I have not vaped now. It's been like, over. I think it's been over two months now. Two and a half months, I think, something like that. Nice. So feel good, but yeah, well, it, it was uh, easier than I thought. Actually, Flanders. yeah, 
It was. She was one of one of the people. One of the people. But she, it was that. It was that disappointment thing. Reminds, I'm serious. It was like this real motherly thing. Only only ladies and moms can do that <laughs> to make you like feel that way, or they're like disappointed in somebody. <laughs> like, oh right. no. Right, right, right. <laughs> so God bless her. <laughs> God bless you. Well, God bless I, you, we, Tim, we, and God bless your wife. <laughs> yeah. In in you. many ways. In yes, many ways. man. Bless you guys. Uh we, we've kind of reached our, our time frame, yeah. fellas. Some of us have real jobs and we have to go to work. <laughs> yeah. Some of us. <laughs> Some of, others <laughs> others stay home and make awesome content mm. or read awesome content, or one of us is actually still in school. <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah. It's graduation parties next week, boys. <laughs> so, at the roller rink. <laughs> yeah, make sure you bring your root beers. His mom is driving everybody to the mall. <laughs> at the roller rink. When did you graduate? Nineteen twelve. Like. <laughs> oh, man. oh, love all around, man. Love all around. God bless you guys. That's that's the place, place. The roller rink is the place to get bad movies and tobacco and talk about hell. <laughs> all yeah. of it. Remember when it used to just have a haze Boys hanging over that and place? the drip <laughs> and the guys in the parking lot. That's locks. behind the roller. Rink. <laughs> <laughs> What's behind the rink? <clears throat> all right. Okay. Well, let's right. let's end this show. Amen. Let's yes. End this show right. Name yes. of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Victory. Pray for us. Mary, Queen of the Home. Pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. St. Anthony of the Desert, pray for all clergy and seminarians. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus is King. Amen.